Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I'm your host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Welcome to the show. The Fast Brackets Podcast is presented by DragRaceLawyer.com. DragRaceLawyer.com, legal help on and off the track. Ed Harney at DragRaceLawyer.com is a longtime drag racer with over 25 years of experience in small business to large corporate legal work. For all your high-powered legal needs, get DragRaceLawyer.com. Okay, this is episode number two. It's the last week of April or the first week in May, depending on how you're looking at the calendar. Here we go. Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast. Uh, hey, we have a big episode today. We're going to talk about karma. We're going to talk about the racing community in general. Uh, results, standings from this past weekend's events and how that shakes things up moving forward. We've got uh, former world champion Mick Snyder from Snyder Motorsports talks about his new car and his racing operation. And we've also got Eric Saffel from AFCO Racing Products. He is the president of Drag Racing Products, and we're excited to have both of those guys on uh, later in the show to help us through a little bit, understanding some of the new tech that's out there. If you have suggestions or like us um, or just want us to know you're out there, hit us on at Fast Brackets on Twitter. You can check us out on the Fast Brackets podcast on Facebook, um, or you can... You can send me an email at fastbrackets at outlook.com. So that's fastbrackets at outlook.com. Okay. Um, Big show, big show, and um, let's get into it. The Fast Brackets podcast is presented by dragracelawyer.com. Dragracelawyer.com, legal help on and off the track. Ed Harney, the proprietor of dragracelawyer.com, has been a longtime drag racer, and well-respected attorney. Use him for all your legal needs. Okay, let's get into it. Um, Let's get into the water box and heat them up with a hot topic. Uh, So, first off... uh, Hot topic to address, number one, the mistakes in episode one. Uh, Wow, it was my first uh, run at this thing. Certainly um, screwed a few things up. And so what we're going to do is we're going to turn this into a little contest. So go listen to episode one. Again, if you've done it once um, for the first time, if you're just tuning in now, um, email me, um, send me a Twitter DM, or you can do it – you can do it publicly. Same thing. Um, send me a message on the Fast Brackets podcast on Facebook. Tell me all the mistakes that you found. The person who lists them all gets to come on the show and highlight his or her race program. So um, we will turn lemons into lemonade for somebody who can go and and point out all the things I screwed up last week. Um, hey, I'll get better at this thing. Um, I'll get better as the show goes on every day. I mean, let's let's get real. Um, strippers aren't virgins for a reason. I mean, you have to practice your craft, and and um, you know, as you as you 
have experience, you'll get better. So um, just go back, listen to the episode, let me know how many mistakes I made, and um, and we'll pick a winner and we'll bring them on the show. Uh, not to talk about the mistakes, but uh, to highlight their race program, no, no matter what it is. Um, secondly, um, if you saw the Twitter or Facebook posts, we've had some Apple issues. Um, I will get this thing where it is, uh, if you're anything like me, you listen to podcasts on iTunes um, because that way you can you can multitask. You can listen to a podcast and then you can go check a Facebook account. You can check your emails. You can um, look at your pictures or wh- whatever it might be. Text somebody. Um, the way I had to roll this thing out in day one, you can't do that. I don't like it. I'm sure other people don't like it. I am going to fix that. But Apple is messing with me a little bit. They have uh, failed my tech right off the bat. I am in what's called a login loop podcast connect <laughs> issue. Yeah, um, you can Google it, login loop podcast connect. And what you'll find is thousands of people are um, logging in. They Apple asks for your Apple ID, then your password. Then it, it accepts that and it says, okay, where do you want to go? You click on podcast connect and then it sends you back to your login again, and you just keep doing that. It's a known issue by Apple. They There are thousands and thousands of people who are, had this issue for whatever reason. I don't know why they haven't fixed it, but that's where I'm at. So um, I will get that fixed um, as quickly as I can. It's going to take a day after that for them to approve the podcast, then we'll be off and rolling. So if you just plugged in on episode 15, you won't have any worries about this. But um, if you were with us from day one, that will be um, – you know, just hang with me. We'll get that fixed. Um, other things, hot topics. Let let's get real. The karma on the podcast is a real thing. Don't tell me it's not. So this weekend, I pull into St. Louis. I park next to Earl Falls, who we talked about last week, and we're going to talk about again uh, later in this episode. And we're going to actually have him on the show because. My man is strong. So uh, I talk to him. I I go over and I go, Earl, hey, man, um, I got to tell you, I probably screwed up your name. Um, Like, I I think I mispronounced your name. He's like, listen, everybody does. Um, It is false, like true or false. But, I mean, I've heard it pronounced every which way. And I get it. My last name is Simmermaker. I have to spell it a lot of times. Actually, I think it drove an ex-wife of mine crazy because she had a unique first name. And then she had, so she had to spell that. Plus she had to spell Simmermaker. I think if you have to spell your name 30 times a day, it will drive you crazy. So I I attribute um, that whole, our issues with that. I mean, I think it would have done to anybody, um, truthfully. I, I don't take the blame. I don't think she's really to blame. I, I always blame that uh, divorce on her having to spell her name both first and last name 30 times a day to, to people, it, it would drive you crazy. It would absolutely drive you crazy. So I said, Earl, listen, I want to get it right. I take it as um, I get it. I'm That makes sense to me. I want to pronounce people's names correct. Um, so if I've mucked up somebody else, um, uh, somebody else's name, and and you know it, either you know them as people and you go, Rex, you, you mispronounced their name, or um, you heard it yourself and go, hey, um, I, you know, I'd like it pronounced correctly. Um, get at me. You can tweet at me. You can make a Facebook post. You can email me. Get at me. It's important for me to get it right. 
So let me know and I will correct it. But uh, so I start talking to Earl. Guess what? He goes, we're going to talk about him a little later. He goes on and wins the event. So like, it's real. I'm not, I'm not even going to doubt that anymore. Um, get in, get your karma and uh, get in the winner's circle. Last thing, um, let's let's talk a little bit about the community a little bit right now. Um, already, the um, enthusiasm for the show is off the charts. It's more than I ever could have expected. Um, I'll be, everybody that has heard about it, has come in contact with me over the last week or so, has been overly optimistic, said, hey, anything I can do to help the show, I'm on board with. That goes from NHRA, PDRA, Midwest Pro Mod Series, um, everybody I know. And it just goes to show that um, this community is is really tight-knit. Um, you know, um, it's an interesting thing, and you don't get this in any other sport where – Hey, um, you know, anything in my trailer is available to borrow and then I might have to run you and you might beat me with my parts. Like that does not happen in other sports, but it happens in drag racing. And, um, I've got kind of, a um, an unbelievable story telling that, um, I went down to Gainesville several years ago and we'll get into that later in the year. We don't have, uh, it's not the emphasis of this show, but, uh, it just goes to show this community is is really tight. Um, it has already embraced the podcast. And, um, you know, I've ordered three seasons this thing, which is about 100 episodes. My man, producer Rob, isn't cheap. So there is a, a thing that, you know, hey, like it's it's got to go, but I'm going to be here for three years anyway. And then we'll see where it goes after that. Um, but, and people know that and have been excited to get involved. And, you know, I'm booked uh, for interviews about a month and or so out right now. So if you if you get with me and say, hey, Rex, I'd like to get on, be patient just a little bit. I will get you on. We've got some really great people coming, and I'm excited about where this thing goes. That um, we've already got some things planning on um, a live show over the U.S. Nationals for sure. Um, We've got some really neat things going, uh, but it, that all goes to the community of drag racers and um, what good people there are in this sport. So um, I am fired up. Um, that does it. Our uh, tires are warm. Let's uh, put it in the beams. The Fast Brackets podcast is presented by DragRaceLawyer.com. DragRaceLawyer.com. Legal help on and off the track. Ed Harney, the proprietor of DragRaceLawyer.com, has been a longtime drag racer and well-respected attorney. Use him for all your legal needs. Okay, next up on the Fast Brackets podcast, we're going to go in the beams with Mick Snyder of Snyder Motorsports. He is your 2016 NHRA Division Three Top Sportsman Champion. He is a multi-time world champ in the ADRL, PDRA, and IHRA divisions on Pro Stream. He's also a three-time NHRA Division Three Top Alcohol Funny Car Champ. What's up, Mick? Welcome to the show, champ. Hey, thank you. 
Hey, glad to have you on. Um, I am sitting here in the land of 10,000 allergies and a million potholes. You are in sunny Texas. How's it going down there? It's nice down here. I like it. Yeah, it's uh, 85 degrees and sunny, so we can't complain. Sounds like paradise. Um, but you were an Indiana yeah. guy for a long time. Yes. Yeah, we just moved down here uh, last July. Okay. So we're not quite the year mark yet. Uh, so far, so good? Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Um, the summers are, you know, obviously hot as heck, but, yeah, the winters are a heck of a lot nicer, too. And we've already had four races where most of our, my customers in Indiana and Ohio, that kind of stuff, are just getting ready to go to their first divisional. So, yeah, definitely different. Right. Yeah, I was in St. Louis this weekend, and it was uh, it was miserable. And uh, so, yeah, I would have been loved to have been in Texas this weekend for sure. <laughs> Um, well, hey, uh, to, for anybody who wouldn't know you and uh, is just not following racing, um, tell tell our listeners a little bit about growing up in the sport and what your first experience behind the car was. So I started on junior dragsters back in 92-ish. And uh, first race we ever won was in Kilcare at a Quick 32 back when uh, – I guess it's Jags now. Back then, it was like a Spitzer Quick 32 deal. Right. Won that deal. Um, from there, we went to start heads up racing juniors, basically. Won a few championships in that. Then we did Super Comp for a while, and that was horrible. And then we did uh, a blown small block deal in IHRA, which they won the championship in that in 99, and then I was right up in 2000. They got rid of our class. We built an L called Dragster. Raced that for a couple of years. Didn't do real well with it, but it was the first time they ever put like an actual Hemi and they converted together. So that's when Winko Drive started doing um, converters behind Hemis. We learned a lot. Mm-hmm. And then we sold that thing, and we got an alcohol funny car in 03. Won championships with that deal and had a blast. And then in 2010, we got the Pro Mod and did the Pro Extreme deal. And then in 15, we switched to Top Sportsman. And this last year, we got a Camaro. Yeah, so just my racing career in five minutes. Yeah, right. That's a, that's <laughs> a pretty condensed version of some uh, really um, memorable accomplishments. Uh, nicely done. It has been a heck of a lot of fun, that's for sure. Yeah, and uh, it it sounds like you've settled into top sportsman and some quick eight series stuff right now. You feel pretty comfortable with that? I like it. It's a lot of fun, and it's a heck of a lot less maintenance than what we're used to. And since mom and dad got to retire and go to Florida and we moved to Texas, it's uh, a lot easier on me because it's hard to sell parts and keep a business running and all that fun stuff and keep a car serviced and work on customer cars and try to get everything done and have a family of three. Well, three right. kids. Yeah. Yeah. You've so, got three kids, which is um, more, yeah. it's a, more than another job for sure. Well, th- thank goodness my wife is really good with the kids. <laughs> Uh, right. Um, well, yeah, when you lose uh, crew members, uh, you've got to figure it out, right? And it sounds like you oh, have. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, mom and dad and Lindsay and I raced together for 26 years. I mean, basically, I mean, Lindsay came out later, but yeah. And then this is be the first season without them. So, I mean, we had all these, we had a good rhythm working, obviously, because we worked together for so long. So, yeah, it's, it's different, but it's still fun. It's interesting. I mean, you go to the racetrack and, the guy we raced this last weekend had uh, it had to be twenty people helping him on his car. There's twenty people walking around with their shirts on and stuff. And one of the crew guys looks over and goes, uh, "Just the two of you?" I'm like, "Yep, just me and my wife." 
Run a blown car, no big deal. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's pretty popular, clearly. Um, yeah. And how'd you do? Did you race him? Uh, yeah, yeah, we ended up winning that round, and then the rain came, so it rained out. So we're gonna finish the qualifying next time. But yeah, we ended up qualifying number three, ran three eighty nine at one ninety one. So yeah, it worked out really well. I had a customer car out there, uh, Chad Sheffield with the junkyard dog, and it's got a screw blown deal. So we just put EFI on that thing. So that was my first car that I had done with screw blown and EFI. And it ended up qualifying number one, ran three seventy seven at two oh eight. So yeah, it's it was a it was a it was a heck of a weekend, that's for sure. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, and I think most of our listeners would relate you with driving your orange Corvette, but that's that's not the car you're driving now, correct? Right. Yeah, correct. So we retired the orange Corvette um, the end of sixteen. Yeah, and uh, we got the Camaro. So this is the second season of the Camaro. Last year we just barely got it out at the end of the year. With the move and everything else, it was just too hard to get everything done. Right. So we came out this year all ready to rock and roll. And, uh, yeah, now we have a gray Camaro, which is really kind of weird. You walk in the staging lanes, you're trying to find the orange car, and you <laughs> can't find it. Right. Um, and uh, so familiar um, setup with that one, though. It's uh, the Lenko Drive with the ComSync? Yep. Basically, we took – no, not anymore. The, the, when we first put the car together, everything was basically out of the Corvette, just stuff in the Camaro. Since then, we've changed motors and all kinds of other stuff. But, yeah, it's still a blown Hemi that we put together with a Linko drive and a Cohen converter and all that fun stuff. So, yeah. And where would you get this? Where would you pick this up at? So, this car has some good history with it. It's a 05, so it's an older car. But it was actually the Dr. Moon's Rage car. So, it was the first five-second Pro Mod car. And we got it. And we took it basically all apart and redid the whole thing. I mean, if you look at it now, everybody thinks it's a new car, but it's really an 05. Mick, I'm really hopeful that at some point in your career you get to drive a car that has a little bit of history behind it um, because, you know, the rest of us are just schlepping around and you're you're driving historic cars every time we look at you, which truly goes to um, just just tell what a great driver you are and how, how well-respected you are in the industry. That's that's neat stuff, man. It's, it's, a lot of, it's pretty cool. I mean, like the Corvette I had before that was the first 200 today's mile car. The one that Scruggs had. So we ran 200, the first 200 pass for a door car at eighth mile. And that's the car we raced before that one. So, yeah, both my cars have quite a bit of history. It's kind of cool. Yeah, that just uh, not everybody gets to do that. And it, it does really go, uh, you know, to credit to you and how much people trust you with their with their stuff. So that's that's really neat stuff. Um, so tell me a little bit about the Lenko drive and the comp sync together. It's, it's not um a typical conversation or a combination i think it's getting more so but um i think most people would assume or correlate you to those two things which are kind of cutting edge in our sport yeah i mean the link drive has been around for a long time but it keeps um getting updates and moving along and the comsync stuff's basically pretty new i mean blown cars with efi haven't only been around for the last few years we started this deal in 15 with a Corvette and put the EFI on there. And it's amazing how easy EFI makes it really. I mean, before we had, I mean, a mechanical system is, um, I don't want to say confusing, but it's quite involved unless you understand what's really trying to go on there. The EFI, once you basically get a fuel table set, it's just put a timing curve in it and go from there. It pretty much handles itself. It, it's really kind of neat because it's based off of RPM and boost. So as the air changes, so does your boost basically. So as the air gets better, it puts more fuel in it for you because you're in a different part of the table. As the air gets worse, it goes to a different part of the table and leans it out for you. 
So once you basically get a table built, it does most of the work for you. So are you, you finding that that we're hurting less stuff with that system as opposed to the old mechanical systems we used to use? Yes, definitely. So this deal here, it has an EGT override. So you tell it at what EGT you want to start trying to fix stuff. So that if it gets too hot, it'll basically turn that cylinder off for you. So like mine, if it makes more than six revolutions above 1,100 degrees, it will turn that cylinder off so I cannot hurt it. It basically makes it so that I, I can't break stuff. That's fantastic. Um, I wish I yeah, had that it's... system on my ex-wife, to be fair. Um, you know, that, that would have been helpful. I would have hurt less things. Um, no, that's that's neat stuff. Um, well, tell us a little bit on race day about um, about your crew. You mentioned that you used to go with the mom and dad and – and now it's just your wife. I, I mean, that uh, mm-hmm. you, you've certainly slimmed down operations a little bit. But tell us a little bit about yeah. uh, what you do and what uh, what your wife does. So basically, Lindsay does the air, empties the puke tank, hooks the transmission cooler up, um, battery chargers, that kind of stuff, and I'll pull the valves off, run the valves, check out the. Basically, Lindsay's motor plate back, and I'm motor plate forward, and then from there we jump in where we need to jump in, depending on what's going on. I mean, every three passes, we change oil. Every pass, it gets new spark plugs. So it's just lots of stuff we try to do ahead of time. So we're not trying to do it at the track. So all the spark plugs are gaffed, ready to rock and roll, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But in between rounds, it gets pretty hectic. And uh, by the end of the day, we're pretty much worn out. But, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And then the kids help, too. So the kids like pulling the car in and out of the pits and driving around, that kind of stuff. And in and out of the trailer, they're in charge of steering. So, yeah. Right, it's, you know, it's it's a lot of fun just with the two of us, really. I mean, it's a lot more work, but this is what we have, so this is what we do. Yeah, for sure. And are the kids involved with the the junior side or anything like that? No, not yet. I think I'm too selfish. Is my problem. <laughs> they have a junior dragster sitting here, but we haven't got it out yet. And basically, it's just because I don't have enough time to do it. Yeah, I know that once we start. Every weekend that we would have been taking off to go do baseball and all the rest of that stuff, I'm sure we'll be at the track of that car. So I just haven't uh, jumped over that bridge yet, I guess. Yeah, well, there's time. There's time for sure. Yes, um, yes, yeah. Well, and and you talked about um, the move to Texas, and you and you moved your shop, and um, what what's going on at the shop now? I mean, I know you're super busy with that. What what all do you do with Snyder Motorsports? So basically everything. So shipping, that kind of stuff. So we sell MSD stuff, ComSync, Linko, um, a lot of other lines. And then we have our own line of like tools and that kind of stuff, some Snyder exclusives like our batteries and our battery boxes, that kind of stuff. Um, we have an air regulator, dual regulator. That's pretty popular. So basically we're banking parts and shipping stuff out and that kind of deal. And right now we just finished that uh, – 55 Chevy with the EFI with the screw blown deal. And now in the shop is my car I need to service for the next race in Tulsa and a customer car that's getting a pro charger put on with EFI. So we stay pretty busy here, especially just because it's basically just me. Right. It sounds that way. That sounds that way. Well, uh, yeah, that, that is quite a lot going on. Um, and in terms of, so on top of that, on top of trying to keep everything of the shop, um, I know you ran a Midwest Pro Mod Series top sportsman event. Um, mm-hmm. What what other um, things do you have on the schedule for this summer? Are you going to f- chase that series a little bit, or what? what's uh, what's your yeah, summer look like? A little bit. Yeah, so the ones that are close, we're going to run those. So 
We missed the last one in St. Louis just because there was a race an hour away from here that made more sense to go to. Yep. I mean, the extreme track, with their, they have a pro mod race basically once a month, and it's either a top mod deal or an Ironman, and they'll get 15 to 20 pro mods and quality cars. So it makes sense that I need to be out there helping out those guys and trying to sell parts to them of course, and taking care of that. And then on the Midwest side of it, when they're close, like they'll be in Tulsa, I'll go to that one. Um, we went to the Ennis one. And then they'll have, an, they'll have one extreme. So the ones that are close to us, and it makes sense, we'll go to those because they're a lot of fun, too, and there's a lot of quality cars there, too, that can use parts. So just trying to do more of that kind of stuff. We'll probably do an HRA divisional. We'll do the Tulsa one just because we missed most of the ones in the beginning. Yep. They just start sitting early. I was, just wasn't prepared. Yeah, the first year is rough, right, when you're trying just to get everything yeah, moved and sure. find all the stuff that you moved? <laughs> Oh my gosh! I still haven't unpacked everything. It's crazy, <laughs> but I'm getting there now. We're we're starting. We're gangbusters getting the stuff set up and getting where we're supposed to be. I mean, most of the shelves are full, but there's still some stuff. I found stuff the other day that I didn't even know I had. It's just you forget about stuff, you know. Yeah, for sure, yeah. I've uh, I wouldn't wish moving on my worst enemy, quite frankly. But uh, oh. well, let me yeah, ask you this: a whole shop and a house and everything else. It was quite the ordeal. We we look like the clamp that's coming to Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, let me ask you this. So when you're running top sportsman, as opposed to this, uh, this heads up series, that's, you know, you're on your home track. Are you, mm-hmm. are you changing much? Or are you running about the same ETs? Um, about the same ETs. I think when we go to the NHRA stuff, I'll try to figure out how to slow it down. I would assume it should go faster than 610, but it might not too. I'm not sure yet. I mean, basically I have to add all the weight back on it so I can peel all the weight off when I go to the Outlaw races, and then we go to injury stuff. It's got to weigh 2,600 pounds, so i got to put all the weight back on it. But other than that, it's not that much difference. Yeah, oh, there wait, you go. I, take back. I got to change transmission gears and rear end, too. Yeah. I, I got cute this this winter. I'm like, oh, you know what? For eighth mile, I'm going to change the rear gear, and I'm going to change the transmission gears. I'm going to chase this thing, actually make it go. Well, that means that before I go to a divisional, I have to change everything back. Of course. Yeah. Um... Yeah. <laughs> Which, I don't, know, I don't know if that was a bright idea or not, but it goes faster and it's fun, so... There you go. Yeah, that's what this is all about, right? Uh, oh, yes. This stuff costs way too much not to have fun. If you're not having fun, we need to find something else to do. Man, truer words have never been said, brother. Um, well, hey, Mick, thanks so much for coming on the show. Um, we really appreciate you. We're going to be following you this season, rooting you on, and um, you're, you're welcome back anytime. Thanks so much for having me. It's a lot of fun. I like these deals. The Fast Brackets podcast is presented by DragRaceLawyer.com. DragRaceLawyer.com, legal help on and off the track. Ed Harney, the proprietor of DragRaceLawyer.com, has been a longtime drag racer and well-respected attorney. Use him for all your legal... Here we are at Half Track, so it's time for the Half Track Report presented by DragRaceLawyer.com. Uh, we had a couple of events this weekend, um, not overly packed schedule. We had the NHRA event in Charlotte where they ran top sportsmen. Um, and then we had the Midwest Pro Mod Series in St. Louis where we had top sportsmen and top dragster. So let's start with Charlotte where um, most of the pro classes were run, or the pro classes were running four wide certainly we don't in top sportsmen but uh 
Lester Johnson goes number one with a 617 in his uh, Pro Charge combination. I mean, that is just a bad, fast car. Um, but uh, Jerry Albert um, gets the win in the final uh, over Chuck Harris. So Jerry goes through 673 with a two on a 72 and uh, beats Chuck for the win. So congrats, Jerry. Um, that That's a big national event win for him. And um, we, we will try to get a little bit of a maybe a rundown on how that thing uh, shook out um, as in the weeks to come because it looks like maybe we had some breakage uh, from some competitors there because it looked like it was a little light on entries. So I'm not exactly sure, um, but it, it appears that some people um, couldn't make the call for first round and it, and it shuffled the – Shuffled the qualifying ladder just a little bit. Um, so uh, we'll, maybe we'll get a little bit update on that. But uh, certainly congrats to Jerry Albert um, on his big win there. And, um, you know, the heavy hitters, uh, Ronnie Proctor, Sandy Wilkins, and Dave, David Tatum the third were all in attendance. So that is a big win for Jerry. So congrats um, on the NHRA side. On the Midwest Pro Mod Series side in St. Louis, um, uh, I was there live. Um, that's a, uh, you know, certainly Keith Haney does not control the weather there. And, and uh, Kurt Johnson with, with his team were there. So the weather was a little bit nuts. It was colder than what we like. And then it got really windy. I mean, Kurt did the best he could, but uh, they could not finish on Saturday. Um, had to, had to um, postpone that and finish up on Sunday and, and got a really good track ultimately, but it just was a, a windy uh, type of thing. So so it um, it was a good thing Kurt was there, and uh, and they were able to have some really great racing on the Pro Mod side and then also uh, on the top sportsman, top dragster side. So well, I talked a little bit earlier about uh, Earl False. Um, he goes um, to the top, wins that thing again. So he is two for two on the season on Midwest Pro Mod Series events. Um, he is from Raceland, Louisiana. I mean, how awesome is that? Um, we we would all love to be from Raceland, I think. Uh, but he, he takes the victory over Mark McDonald. Uh, Mark breaks out in the final, and Earl uh, gets his second win of the year in that series. So from a point standing, he is way out in front. Um, not that... Uh, not that, not that somebody won't be able to catch him, but uh, that's a, that's a really good lead for Earl, and he, he took full advantage of the karma, got in. My man is an absolute uh, delight. I love talking with him, and we're gonna have him on the show, and you're gonna love him too. But um, I mean, he's not only is he from deep Louisiana, but he runs a Lanco Camaro, so he's actually pulling gears. I mean, Mick uh, talks about uh, the Lanco drive, but but. Um, Earl is pulling the gears, and I, and I had a conversation with a friend of mine, Jimmy Cowan, a couple of, uh, years ago, and he runs a Lanco in his big cubic inch nitrous car, and he was going to run some top sports. And I said, Jimmy, you can't do it. You can't do it. You can't pull gears in a Lanco and be consistent in this class. And Earl is making me look stupid. Um, and so, uh, congrats to him. And I can't wait to have him on the show in a couple of weeks. On the top dragster side, uh, 
Rob Mosier gets the win over Al Pivler in the final. Uh, Rob says, hey, I'm just going to go there and test, and he ultimately ends up uh, getting the victory, the big check, the trophy, the whole thing in St. Louis. So um, the D3 guys probably ought to be on the lookout as he goes to Columbus um, next week and um, and gets ready to start the Division Three series there. But uh, Rob was fantastic all weekend. Um, and gets the big win. Phil Oakley goes number one. Had some had some trouble um, during elimination, so didn't get a chance really to um, to make a pass and figure out. I'm I'm not exactly sure what happened, but it it did stop him from making a pass and competing. But uh, congrats to Rob for a big win uh, in St. Louis, and uh, good luck the rest of the season. The Fast Brackets podcast is presented by DragRaceLawyer.com. DragRaceLawyer.com, legal help on and off the track. Ed Harney, the proprietor of DragRaceLawyer.com, has been a longtime drag racer and well-respected attorney. Use him for all your legal needs. Legal needs. Needs. All right, welcome back to the Fast Brackets podcast. Hey, we're going to get out of the groove here just a little bit. Um, something we do not uh, like to talk about, but and and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. Um, we're all very aware, but uh, just want to talk real briefly about uh, Rick Wilson's ProMod crash um, at St. Louis this weekend. Um, he was in the Midwest ProMod series event and had a nitrous explosion and and couldn't get the car stopped and it it was one of the most horrific crashes uh you know issues that I've seen in a long time and it just it just relayed to me how important our safety equipment is um they listen the EMTs were there very very quickly in fact um the the fire department did something kind of Heroic. They actually drove onto um, the chutes to stop the car because he couldn't get the car stopped, and which I thought was just really quick thinking on their part. But it, again, it just hits home um, sometimes how dangerous our sport is. We all know it, um, and we get very, very comfortable behind the wheel and and in our cars. But just uh, please, please, please use your safety equipment. Don't skimp. Um, and uh, you just never know the day you might use it. That is um, my PSA for the day, and and certainly won't discuss that too much, but uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to Rick Wilson and his family and uh, hope he has a speedy recovery. Next up on the Fast Brackets podcast, we're at the mile per hour cone. We have Eric Saffel, president of Drag Race Products for AFCO Racing. Eric, welcome to the show. Hi, Rex. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Good to be with you here today. Yeah, appreciate you coming on. Hey, you are down in God's country right now, uh, living the dream, working in racing. Um, 
What's your background? How do you get uh, to be president of Drag Race Products at AFCO? Yeah. Well, in God's country, wishing that it would quit raining <laughs> so that we could go racing a little bit. Uh, well, the the story is 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 much like a lot of young guys. You know, I, I can recall one of my favorite movies growing up was Hollywood Nights. You know, and and what's more iconic than a Tri Five Chevy yellow with a you know a blower hanging out of the thing, no hood, and and so from there. The, the the five six and seven Chevys were a little bit before me, but um, I kind of wanted one. So I'm probably at that point, maybe a junior in high school, and I go buy a '56 Chevy and drive it home. And it's it's beat up. It's kind of nasty, four or five colors on it of paint. But the guy down the street, who I'd never met before, walks up and he says, "Man, you've got a race car here." And he starts to fill a young man's head full of all these things we can do. So that turned into um, the street car, which became the drag car, and so I was off and running with my hobby of, of drag racing at that point, a 56 Chevy. So that was the the background, I guess, that kind of got me going. And then uh, as I grew up and, and, and continued on through college and whatnot, still drag race, still did what I did, and, and um, ironically... The AP clerk that lived next to the engine builder had mentioned that at one point, AFCO was looking for a salesman. They wanted to expand, and I, I applied for the job, and 25 years ago, they uh, extended an offer, and I started to work here at AFCO Racing Products. And they've kept you around all that time? Yeah, it, it, partially because there's an old pop machine here, and I'm back the only one that knows how to get into it and fill the, <laughs> fill the thing right. So they kind of keep me around for stuff like that. I like it. Um, hey, we all need that guy. Um, what, uh, what, what's your day-to-day look like now when, uh, when you go to the office? It, it's, it's split between uh, helping folks with tech support. Um, you know, I've, I've got a great group of uh, distributors that I talk with and customers, that clients that, that, that we've partnered up with through the years. So, I work with a lot of really great people that are out there building race cars or tuning cars or, or you know, reselling racing parts. So I spend time on the phone with them. Uh, we do some tech stuff here. Uh, I get to uh, the opportunity to go to some really cool races and, and work with people there face-to-face, crawling under cars, doing what we need to do to, to help or, or setting up on the midway and, and working with folks that maybe just came for the day to watch and you know they've got a hobby and here's the car and we talk with them about what what we can do to help them in that regard as well yeah i i, I remember that's the first time we were met it was at the u.s nationals and i'm, I'm thinking 10 years ago or something and uh, mm-hmm. you were you were under a car adjusting shock settings um you know somebody had bought there at the time and, and needed help with so i thought that was imp- yeah. pretty impressive at the time and um and i know you still do that yeah, the best day for me is the day I can get my hands dirty at the racetrack. It's uh, I've kind of always been hands-on, and it, it if, if I'm just standing there talking to people, I, that's cool. I enjoy it. But if somebody says, "Hey, can you come look at my car?" That's that's where it really gets to be fun because now you can kind of be part of something. You can kind of see how we can maybe help and and uh, start the process of cause and effect and analyze some data and and kind of dig in, so to speak. Yeah, um, yeah, that 
that's got to be the fun part of it for sure. And I know that the company has grown quite a bit. So how many lines of business does AFCO have at this point? Started with uh, AFCO Racing Products 35-ish years ago, I guess. Expanded into Dynatech headers. At the time, that was primarily just a circle track-oriented brand, but now it's expanded into drag racing and muscle car and late model street performance. Um, from there, we we acquired a longtime industry brand called Pro Shocks, which primarily does uh, open wheel, like sprint car, world outlaw stuff. Uh, and then uh, most recently, two brands were brought on board, Long Anchor Racing Products, which had been another long-standing 30-plus year company out there. Scales, gauges, setup tools, things of that nature. I think Long Acre's probably been a, a well-known brand through the through the years. And then a company that's been more specialized in Corvette radiators called DeWitt's Radiators out of Michigan. That's the, one of our later acquisitions as well. And they're, they're really doing a nice job of uh, OE replacement radiators. And from like a C1, like a 53, if you're trying to do a Bloomington Gold Corvette restoration, they've got a radiator for you. Uh, muscle car radiators came more recently. So if you're looking for something that is almost identical to maybe the way the car came from the factory, except it's 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 stamped tanks with all the little notches, <clears throat> excuse me, but done in aluminum for a little bit higher efficiency. Uh, that's that's the DeWitt's brand. So it's it's really rocking and rolling too. It, it sounds like it. Um, and with all those different product lines um, and some of the sprint car stuff and and street rod stuff, um, is there is there some technology overlap that that creeps into the top sportsman and top dragster categories for for guys like us hey yeah, absolutely i think when we're talking about uh shock technology in general <clears throat> what what we see on an average weekend night at the circle track from from what a shock has to go through and how much control we have to develop uh how quickly the shock moves or how much travel it moves we can take that data and then apply it to what we see at the drag strip or how we can control, you know, the chassis at the drag strip. Um, I'm never have been, or never will be a go fast, turn left guy, but you know, they get to do it so many times we can capture so much data in the course of a, of a test session, you know, of a day or, or if we're at a racetrack at night that, uh, we can bring that information back. We can analyze the shock. We can try to, to, uh, move the range of adjustment higher or lower, stiffer or softer, depending upon what that application is looking for. And then we can we can build that into a shock that packages more for a drag race application or, you know, we do some road racing stuff or autocross stuff. So that information, that data, that knowledge, which we've got a great group of engineers that do everything in-house. I mean, all the all the design work, all the testing work, everything, all the, the, the heavy lifting is done inside here. So um, we're not farming that out, and therefore, since we possessed all that, we can get to market with some really cool tools, shocks, struts, whatever, that can help a guy tune the race card to, uh, you know, to do the things he wants to do for it. Yeah, and certainly the track conditions are, are dictating a lot of the adjustments that we make, and I think a lot of times, uh, I'm, I don't want to speak for everybody, certainly, but a lot of times we go back to, all right, let's change air pressure. 
or let, let's just you know we'll um, we'll pull timing or something to get down the track. And I I think there's probably a lot more adjustability than what we give it credit for in, to, in today's shocks and struts. The, is, is that accurate? There are the exactly. Um, the, I think one of the concerns. As, as we started the drag program, I remember years ago, I spent all one year just going out and collecting data. And, uh, you know, we were probably ready to go to market, but I wanted to have a complete book of, of tuning ideas and suggestions. I wanted to make sure that I knew from a, uh, a tech support basis where we were coming from. So through that, that, that data collection process, I remember talking with a lot of people. And the first concern it seemed like then, and still maybe today, we're a little concerned that we may get lost. If if the car's going down the racetrack okay now, I'd hate to make some adjustment and then kind of lose my lose where I was, okay? Sure. So uh, I think the key there is if you build a product, you build a shock or whatever it is that we're dealing with, it needs to be repeatable. So our focus back then and, and still today is if you're going to make an adjustment, you've got – six clicks in it and you're going to go to nine you know, if that didn't work you know we, this thing has to go back to six and it has to the shock or strut has to perform identically to, to where it was before so that's where the technology i think helped us is instrumentation in, inside the the valving the the precision of these devices have to be spot on yeah for sure um well that's great stuff, and I'm I'm certainly witness to some of the shocks that you guys built that people said couldn't go as fast as what they ultimately went. And so I I know that your stuff out there is um is certainly repeatable and uh, and certainly great for our category. But uh, outside of our category, I know I mean you guys sell products to all different classes. Um, what would you say is the biggest growth category or of classes is that you sell to right now? Is there something that's really growing on, for you guys? In 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 drag racing, certainly there's there's the uh, the the radial craze is is continuing to grow and escalate. That the 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 car count, if you pick, you know, any five or six bigger events, continues to grow substantially. Uh, and what I really think is cool is, is the people that we talk to when we're set up on the midway or we're walking through the pits or whatever, the, the, the spectators, it feels like they're a lot more engaged. That's, you know, half or better have a project, you know, a, a race car that maybe isn't quite ready or maybe it'll never be a radio car, but they're working on a on a 1090 car or they're working on a, a top sportsman unit. Or, so we, we get the opportunity to talk to folks like that. So on the drag racing side, it sure feels like that's one good growth uh, area. The the other that's really exploding is the no prep or low prep or sure. whatever you want to call it. That that stuff, we, we, you know, the calls that we get now, at least a third of them, we're talking to people that want to run a no prep, uh, you know, race or, or, or they're going to run a series, and they'll like to know what works for for the, what they're trying to do. So we do an awful lot of that anymore too. Of course. Yeah. Um, well, I think, you know, all that stuff is good data for us as, as we're going to different tracks and have different, um, levels of, of tractions when we pull the track. So, uh, it all, it all kind of compounds and we can use data from a different, 
bunch of different sides. Um, Absolutely. And then you mentioned your 56 uh, earlier. So do you still have that? Or when was the last time you got out on the track yourself? That's <laughs> uh, uh, one of those shoulda, woulda, couldas. Uh, <laughs> everybody that, that's owned a cool car, owned a car, wished they would have kept it. But um, um, I had this desire to go faster. And, uh, you know, sitting here at the office, you get an opportunity to talk with some people coast to coast border to border and of all people army armstrong uh, announcer from tnn and 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 whatnot years ago lives a short distance away and he came in with a flyer that said he's got this roadster for sale and much like when i remember looking for that old chevy the more i thought about the roadster and the opportunity to go fast i mean this thing was going to be at least a thousand pounds lighter than the old chevy i'm thinking man this is going to be cool so I sold the '56. Um, I, it's it's long gone. It was it went to Jersey. I, I lost track of it. Um, ran the Roadster for I don't know seven or eight nine years, I guess. And then uh, and it, as a lot of guys will have it, you know, the kids are are starting to grow up, and so my my oldest wanted to run a junior dragster for a little bit. So Dad parked the the, the race car to run the junior. And about that time, yeah, uh, work still continued to to be uh, a traveling uh, job, and so I'm, uh, I, I can recall traveling a, a couple of weekends out of the month, and then running the junior, and, and it seemed like there was less and less time for the big car. And then yeah, I hate to say it, but I kind of got out of the groove of running the big car, and uh, it sat for a whole year, and. You know, it's still traveling a lot with work, and kids are now into soccer and softball. And you know, you're shaking your head, going, "Yeah, I can see this is where this is going." And car gets sold, and and uh, you know, you know, we have to. I'm not sure I'm ever going to grow up, but I guess I'm going to have to grow old. You know, so uh, I still plan to get back out and do some racing, but uh, the kids are now in uh, college, so we're still working through that process. Of course, yeah, that's and. Uh, it's not free, apparently, is what I'm told, yet. I know. I keep thinking there's got to be some better way, but I, I still have to come to work and still have to do what we're doing. So, yeah. Right. Well, hey, Eric, thanks so much for coming on. Um, I appreciate your insight and uh, talking to us a little bit today. Um, that that was great. Uh, thank you so, so much. Absolutely, Rex. Thanks for having me on, and, and the best of luck with your race. And I, I understand that uh, – you're, you're going to continue uh, uh, racing, and, and maybe I can get out there and, and, and watch, and you can show me how to, how to do it. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to show anybody, but uh, if you if you want to come along, you're welcome with me any day for sure. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, Eric. Hey, that was Eric Saffel, president of Drag Race Products for AFCO Racing. Well, that's the show. That is episode number two. Like I said, give this thing three weeks. You will be hooked. It's a, got a little bit different vibe. It's a little bit um, a different structure. So give it a couple weeks and you will be hooked. Okay. If you're following along, uh, we've hit the stripe. We went through 
um, made our pass. We've seen the the victory light come on, and that is our show. That is episode number two. Like I said, give this thing three weeks. We've had two strong episodes right off the bat, but three weeks, and we'll have you hooked. If, for whatever reason, you thought it was awful, tell me. If you liked it, tell someone else. And as always, you can reach us on Twitter, at Fast Brackets. You can like the Facebook page, the Fast Brackets Podcast, or you can email me directly um, at the email account, fastbrackets at outlook.com. The Fast Brackets Podcast is presented by DragRaceLawyer.com. DragRaceLawyer.com, legal help on and off the track. Ed Harney at DragRaceLawyer.com is a longtime drag racer with over 25 years of experience in small business to large corporate legal work. For all your high-powered legal needs, get DragRaceLawyer.com. I hope you enjoyed the episode number two. Remember to keep the rubber side down and travel safe. So uh, what'd you think, man? That was good, man. It was uh, better. It was better than the first one. You're way better. Well, I, I was ready to pull you off the air with the first one. Yeah, well. Um, now I like I, it. Listen, um, we're, you know, we're getting better. We're getting better every time. And the, our guests were unbelievable. Mick and Eric were awesome. Those guests, I mean, each week, like you've had two weeks in a row, you've had two super interesting guests. They're pretty compelling. It's really the key to the show, Rob, is uh, get guests that are exciting and interesting, and that way I don't have to carry it. Well, I mean, not that you couldn't carry it. I can. Um, we just I, prefer you not to. <laughs> yeah, I, I know there's a sentiment out there. But, uh, man, I tell you what, again, I, I could have swore we were going to go through this whole year worth of uh, interviews and never talk about a roadster. And again? We're two for two. It's driving me crazy. I assume that's where you think you messed up. Oh, I... Yeah, I got to get those things off the show. I got to put moratorium on roadsters from here on out. We'll start beeping them. Yes, for sure.